0: Here is another powerful message from New Vision Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. To hear the rest of this series and others, join us at newvisionlife.com. Well good morning everybody. For those who I do not know, my name is Nick and I'm one of the pastors here at New Vision and as always it is an honor and a privilege to be able to open up God's word with you and see what he has for our next steps. Um, If I'm honest with you, there are a few verses in the Bibles that I do not like. Now, you might be sitting there and thinking to yourself, you're a pastor, are you allowed to not like verses? I am because I don't, okay? And so there are just some verses where i rather, like, pull a Thomas Jefferson, cut it out of the Bible, paste it somewhere else so I don't have to acknowledge or deal with it. And one of those verses might be a bit of a weird verse that I don't like, but I'm going to share it with you. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. This is Paul writing a letter to the church at Corinth, and this is what he says. He says, "'Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ.'" Whenever I used to read that verse, it felt very prideful to me. Like, Paul, who do you think you are? Look at me as I look at Jesus. Whatever, right? But the more that I read that verse and the more I study the verse and I kind of pull back the lens a little bit and pull back the curtains of this verse, I realize that Paul is not saying that he has arrived in anything. What Paul is saying is that, hey, I'm in process, and I'm inviting you into the process with me, and we can walk together. See, it's not a prideful thing at all. It's really an invitation that Jesus has given us all to walk out. As we look to Jesus, you can look to us because we are following in his steps and we're inviting others in the process. As we are in process, we invite others into the process. Another way of saying this is, I'm subscribing to what I'm prescribing to you. I had no idea over the last couple of months how I would be able to walk this verse out in my everyday life. But through the goodness of the Holy Spirit, he allows me to do something I don't like to do, to live out what I preach out. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for this opportunity. That's great. So a couple of weeks ago, we were talking through Envy, and Pastor Brady decided that he's going to do two weeks on Envy. And I was like, praise God, that's wonderful. And so I was looking at kind of the sermon preaching schedule, and I saw that I got this topic of anxiety, praise the lamb. I mean, I get it. I know how this teaching pastor gig works. I got it. I was like, fine, anxiety, here we go. I did not understand and realize that I, over the last two months, have been walking through a season where anxiety, to be honest with you, has been whooping my tail. Where I woke up in the middle of the night around 2.26 a.m., And it felt as if an elephant was sitting on my chest. And it felt as if my world was spinning out of control and I tried so badly to be grounded, but it still felt like everything was in chaos. And in these moments, the Lord reminded me, hey Nick, remember I'm with you and we're gonna walk this out together. What I love about Jesus is that he is still relevant today as he was yesterday. That his truth that he speaks speaks to us as we're walking, as we're navigating this life right now. And as we're gonna see here in Matthew chapter six, Jesus is in the midst of one of his most famous sermons and he is going to speak to anxiety and speak to what is true and it's still gonna be helpful in 2019. And so as we navigate this, May we get some encouragement, may the Lord bring his peace into these moments, and may we be reminded that he really is Lord over all things, even the anxiety that sometimes rages within us. And so I invite you right where you are to pray along with me as we navigate this journey together. Father God, thank you for being good. Thank you for being on your throne. Thank you that you're our ever-present help in time of need. And Father, wherever we are on this journey, for some of us, anxiety is wreaking havoc in all kinds of ways. We find ourselves in counseling, we find ourselves even on medication, and we're trying to figure out, Lord, if you really are peace. And maybe for some of us, it's just been the season in which we're in that has caused us to be anxious. Lord, may we recognize in this place today that no matter where we are in this journey, that your peace is offered because you are our peace. Will you remind us of that? May we walk in that posture, and may we fix our eyes on you again and again and again. And we pray all these things in your awesome and amazing name. Amen. Ed Welch has this quote. He says this, Anxiety can be born in the past, live in the future, and invade the present. It focuses our attention on things over which we are relatively powerless, and they take our attention away from the mission that is right in front of us. Well said, Ed. I, uh, I kind of came up with my own definition for anxiety. It won't be nearly as good, but it works for me. Anxiety is when the what-ifs of life spiral and grow until the will-be's in our heart and mind. Let me say that again. Anxiety is when the what-ifs of life Spiral and grow into the will bees in our heart and mind, and Jesus is going to talk directly to this in Matthew chapter six, verse twenty-four. It says this: No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Why does Jesus say money? Because Jesus is the wisest man ever in the history of the world. He knows that a lot of our anxiety is rooted in finances and money, so he just calls out the big one. And he says, you cannot serve two masters. We can only be surrendered to one master. I know that because I hear Jesus say it, but I also know that because I have a labradoodle. Now, some of y'all are thinking, Nick, that's not a very tough dog. Back up off me. He's curly and he's sweet and he's mine, okay? His name is Beckham. At my house with Beckham, as far as Beckham is concerned, I'm his alpha male. I've never been that in my house before, but I kind of like it. (laughs) My kids and my wife will sometimes tell Beckham what to do, and he'll look at them like they lost their mind. Like, are you talking to me? Better back up off me. But when I tell Beckham to do something, he's like, yes, just love me, I'll do it, sir. And they're like, oh, what a good dog. <laughs> but this summer slash spring, I, I discovered something about Beckham and he revealed that you can only serve two masters. See, Beckham listens to me and I'm his master until there's something outside that catches his attention. For example, a frog. In the summertime, at night, I would have these frogs or toads that would come onto our back patio and just hang out. And Beckham loved some frogs, y'all. And so I would call Beckham in. I'd be like, hey, Beckham, time to come in. Come here. And he would look at me like, hey, man, you're cool, but these frogs are awesome. He would not come and listen to me. Why? Because he was mastered by his mouth and his belly. Because you can only serve one master. And here's what is true about anxiety. Anxiety reveals to us what our heart is surrendered to. So if we're surrendered to finances, anxiety will reveal that. If we find ourselves in a season of singleness, anxiety will reveal that, and we will see what we are mastered by. And the list goes on and on, but anxiety reveals to us what our heart is surrendered to. Also, anxiety points us to what is important to us. You want to know what's important to you? Examine your anxiety and you will see, after you unearth the anxiety, what is really important to you. Financial security, you will see that. So on and so forth. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 continues on. It says this, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, Or about your body, what you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Can we pause right here for a second? Let's just be real for a moment. So here's Jesus speaking to the crowd, speaking to their anxiety, speaking some wisdom to them. And he says, Hey, people who are worrying and who are anxious, stop it. Well, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, King of Kings and Lord of Lords, for making it simple for us. But he just speaks into it and just says, Hey, stop worrying. Don't be anxious. And you look at that and you're like, okay, Jesus, that seems so simple. But why would Jesus say this? This is why. He said, listen, don't worry about anything because I'm in your midst. What do you have to worry about when the king is in the building? What do you have to worry about when the Lord over all things is in your midst? So do not worry about tomorrow because the king who provides and the God who is with you is with you. So he's not just saying, hey, just stop worrying. He's saying the reason why you don't have to worry is because your king is present and he is close and he is near. Verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? What I love about Jesus is he reminds us of what is true. Why? Because we are a people that tend to forget the very thing we should never forget. Amen. Y'all don't want to amen, I'll amen myself. I'm a person that tends to forget the very thing that I need to remember. Because a lot of times in my own life, I look at the obstacle and I forget that there's an opportunity for the Lord to reveal himself and his goodness through the obstacle. And as you read the narrative of Scripture, you will see that Jesus often says, hey, remember this. Hey, remember this. He was up in the upper room with his disciples and he says, you're going to have to remember this. Because there are going to be dark days. There are going to be days when you will want to forget what is true, but I need you to remember. And even in the Old Testament, there's this rhythm of the people of God. When he encountered them in a way, when he came through in a way, what would they do? They would build altars. Why? So they wouldn't forget that God had showed up before and he's able to show up again. And Jesus is just reminding us of that truth. And then the quiet moments when anxiety has been raging within me, the Holy Spirit has had to whisper some things to me. One of the things, he says, Nick, if God loved you enough to send his son to die for you, why would he leave you right now? Because he will provide for your needs. And here's the thing I don't like. As I have been walking through this journey, I have begun to understand that there is a difference between needs and wants. A lot of times I put my wants out there, dear Jesus, if you could please do this for me because I want it. But his promise is I will provide for you what you need. I do not enjoy the truth being revealed that some of the things that I'm praying for and asking for are wants and not needs because I want what I want. And there are times where I act as if Jesus owes me something. And I'm being reminded of this, that he paid the ultimate price for me, and he gave me my number one need, which is salvation, and a price paid for my sins, and that is plenty. But sometimes in the midst of life, it is hard to walk that out. Vance Havner says this about worry and anxiety. Worry is like a rocking chair. It will give you something to do, but it won't get you anywhere. Now, some of you are about to think about this next illustration. Of course, you're talking about food. Back up off me, everybody. But as I was thinking about that quote and I was thinking about worry and anxiety, I was thinking about Cracker Barrel. <laughs> some of y'all, how would you just, just stay with me for a moment? See, I've never once gone to Cracker Barrel just to rock in the rocking chairs, Never once I was like, hey, Laura, let's go to Cracker Barrel and just rock in the rocket chairs. Won't that be fun? No. I go to Cracker Barrel to get the biscuits, everybody. Yes. Bring on the biscuits and the gravy and the apple butter and bring me some more when I'm done. We're going to carb load and I'm not even sorry about it. But never once have I stopped outside of Cracker Barrel and said, I'm just going to sit and dwell here. Yes, sometimes it's part of the process and it's part of the journey, but it's not where we have been invited to dwell. See, with Jesus, he invites us to walk in this journey with him. He invites us to life to the full. And sometimes we get stuck in this rocking chair. But yet Jesus invites us to continue to surrender and continue to seek him, even in the midst where we find ourselves rocking and he wants us to walk inside and down at his table where abundance can be found. Matthew chapter 6, verse 28 says this. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire... Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. I think Jesus is reminding us that we are not defined by our worry and anxiety. Let me not move too quickly. Let me go ahead and say this again to you. You are not defined By your worry and your anxiety. That is not your identity. But for me, sometimes I get so close to the thing I'm struggling with and so close to maybe some of my dysfunction. I get so close to the things I struggle with that I allow it to tell me who I am. But what Jesus is saying, he said, listen, don't forget to seek ye first the kingdom of God. Because that is your reminder of whose you are and who you are based on who your king is. You are not what you struggle with. You are not the thing that has caused you to stumble. You, as scripture says, are a son or a daughter of a king. He says that you're a part of a royal priesthood. He calls you ambassador. That is your definition. And here's what I'm learning. When I fix my eyes on the right definition and on the right identity, I walk towards that. But the same is true about the things I struggle with. When I fix my eyes on that, guess what? Everything about my life speaks to that. He's in no, I'm inviting you to operate in a different way. And hear me, if you're struggling with anxiety, if you're struggling with worry, Jesus is not beating you up and just telling you to be better. But I like how John Piper says this. The Bible does not assume that true believers will have no anxieties. Instead, the Bible tells us how to fight when they strike. So if you have sat somewhere before and someone has said that you are less than because you struggle, hear me, you are not less than. You're just in the process. And if you deal with anxiety and worry, can I just tell you what that makes you? Normal. But Jesus gives us an invitation to not just navigate the way we've always navigated He gives us an invitation to walk in a different posture in a different way. And so for us, as I've been reading and walking through this, I've kind of had to practice this thing, and it's found in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. I'm going to call it the anxiety prescription. Now hear me. What I want is I want to read these verses and hear this truth found in Matthew 6 and walk out of here and never have to deal with anxiety again. But let me go ahead and tell you, that probably will not be the case, everybody. Tonight, as you go to sleep, you might become anxious. But what this does is is a reminder that you have to step into again and again and again. It's like a prescription. You don't get a prescription one time and it fixes everything with just one dose. It's a continual walking and it's a process. So for us, as we examine Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, remember that this is a process that we've been invited in, and here are some ways to deal with the anxiety that we experience. It says this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I have grown so familiar with these verses. I've had to quote these verses at 2 a.m. in the morning, 5 a.m. in the morning, midnight, in my car, in my office, before I walk on a stage, before I meet with somebody. I've had to walk these verses out. And I've had to learn to process and fight anxiety with the word of God. And walk in this invitation. It says this as we navigate, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer. The first step in this prescription is prayer. Let me say that again is prayer. I know you're probably not like me. And you guys probably are prayer warriors and you're praying without ceasing and you're on your knees daily. But for me, I sometimes treat prayer as a last resort instead of a first step. Sometimes I'll try to do it in my own strength, in my own wisdom, and then finally I'm like, that's not working. Maybe, just maybe, I should go to God with it. Maybe I should pray. Sometimes I believe about myself. Prayer is one of the greatest weapons I've been given that that is the most unused. We've got to pray. You pray, you go to the king. This is our first step. It goes on to say this but in every situation by prayer and petition. What's petition? It is sharing what is going on. It is bringing those dark things to light. So a couple of weeks ago, I woke up in the morning. My wife sensed that I was stirring and she has done battle with anxiety. And she goes, "Babe, what is going on? What's wrong with you?" And me being who I am, I was like, "I'm fine. I got it." go back to bed. I'm good. I don't know why I sound like that, but whatever. (laughs) And then she does this thing that she has done often, which I do not like. She said this to me, do you remember that time when you said, don't bring up my words and use them to help me? Don't bring up scripture and, and remind me of what is true. Please let me just be here. But she goes, You remember when you said that anything kept in the darkness has power over you, but the things that are brought to light loses their power? I was like, uh huh. (laughs) And then she said this to me. She says, Why don't you let me help you carry that burden by sharing it with me? Whew. What a good woman. Why don't you let me in and bring those things to light so that we can better carry them together? Why don't you share that with me? See, for us, we talk about small groups and living life in community all the time. And some people in this place are like, man, stop talking about that. Why do you want us to be in community so bad? Let me go ahead and tell you something. We do not get a kickback from the Holy Spirit based on how many people are in small groups. (laughs) The Lord is not like, oh, you're more blessed. You have more people in small groups. No, no, no. Here's what you need to know is true. We know that life lived in community is better, and that's the way we have been called to live. And you might be thinking, how do you know that, Nick? Are you just making that up? Do y'all get together in this meeting and just come up with crazy things? No, we just look to Jesus. We see that Jesus lived life in community. When Jesus, on the eve of the night, when he would surrender his life, what was he doing? He was sharing his burden with his friends. He said, guys, come and pray for me. Now, granted, they fell asleep, but he said, guys, come and pray with me. I'm about to surrender my life and go through the hardest night ever in the history of the world, and I need to share this burden with you. You have been invited to do life together. Why? Because the load is made life when many are carrying it. And so you have to share it. We pray, we share by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. To be thankful means you remember well. We have been called to remember. What are we remembering? We're remembering the faithfulness of God. We're remembering that he has shown up before and he is able to show up again. We are remembering that he is a God that provides for our needs. We are remembering everything that is true because we all need reminders. And when you are thankful, when you recognize all that he has done and all that he is able still to do, you walk better. We remember the faithfulness of the King. We remember that he has shown up and shown out before, and he is able to do it again. We remember that he is not done working, and he still is an active participant in this world. His Holy Spirit is still working and moving. We remember that. Even when the darkness fills its darkest, we remember that the light shines its brightest in the darkness. We remember We walk in the posture of remembrance. Then it says, present your request to God. This is surrender. We are not good at surrendering. Think about your hands. Your hands naturally pull in. They draw in. They want to have control. They want to hold on to things. Surrender requires a lot of practice. It's I'm going to surrender, I'm going to surrender, I'm going to surrender at 5 p.m., I'll surrender at 5 a.m., I'm going to surrender this to you because your hands are better able to handle it than mine are. I'm going to surrender, even when it's painful, even if it is with eyes full of tears, I'm going to surrender this to you and remember that you are able and that you are more able than I am. I am going to surrender. Surrender. It's a moment by moment surrendering. It's a day by day surrendering. It's a, hey, Lord, I'm struggling with this. I'm anxious about this, but I'm going to surrender it to you, and I'm going to surrender it to you again. And then this one, number five, is, and then you repeat. You pray, you share, you remember, you surrender, and then you repeat. If I'm really honest with you, I really just want God to fix me. I don't want to go through the process of being fixed. I don't want to go through the process of becoming more like Jesus, which the Bible refers to as sanctification. I don't want that. I just want kind of God to be like, boom, I'm awesome. But what I hear in the narrative of Scripture is always this invitation from the king to abide with him. I had a pastor growing up said, to abide is faith applied. That means you walk and you trust, and 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 you repeat until you meet him in glory. I want the quick fix. I don't necessarily want to abide, but here's what I'm learning. That invitation to abide is a good invitation. Why? Because I recognize that I'm not in control, but I know who is, and he walks with me. He goes before me. He is ever-present. And he also has my back. In the season of my life, I've been quoting Philippians 4, 6, and 7 often and always. And I was reminded of a song called Peace, which is done by a group of individuals called Hillsong. It's a church in Australia. They kind of write good worship music, whatever. <laughs> that was a joke, everybody. Um, but I've had to quote <laughs> the lyrics to this song and sometimes I've fallen asleep to it, and sometimes I've stayed awake quoting it. So, in just a moment, the band's gonna come back out and they're gonna lead us in this song. And in this moment, when we begin to sing the song, here's the invitation for you. For you, respond how you need to respond, but maybe just maybe you need to sit there and let this be an ointment for your soul. Maybe for you, it's a moment where you need to get on your knees and go, Jesus. Help me believe that you are still able to move and to work. It's just a reminder of what is true. It's just a reminder to encourage you to keep walking because what I am so guilty of so often in my life, is stopping one shout short of the walls falling down around the walls of Jericho. And I don't want to be that way. So I want to fix my eyes on the king, and I want to keep walking, and I want to keep shouting until I see the victory. Even if it doesn't come tomorrow, even if it doesn't come a week from now, I'm going to fix my eyes, and I'm going to keep walking. And I think this is what Paul is saying. Come and walk with me. The lyrics of the song say this. There is a peace far beyond all understanding. May it ever set my heart at ease. What anxiety fails to remember is peace is a promise you keep. Peace is a promise you keep. You are peace to a restless soul. You are peace when my thoughts wage war. You are peace to the anxious heart. That is who you are. That is who you are. You are peace when my fear takes hold. You are peace when I feel enclosed. You are peace when I lose control. That is who you are. That is who you are. In the last chorus, I love it. I have found peace far beyond all understanding. Let it flow when my mind's under siege. All anxiety bows in the presence of Jesus, the keeper of peace. And peace is a promise he keeps. See, Jesus is our present peace. He is Jehovah Shalom. That is who he is. That is his name. And anxiety will eventually bow to the king of peace. Tony Evans says this, God is the one who brings calm where there is chaos and stability where there is struggle. If you would, right where you are, would you bow your heads? Father, for those of us in this room that have struggled, that have fought, that we've gone to counseling, that we've taken the medication, that we've done all that we know to do, but yet peace has not yet stilled the anxiousness. Father, may we remember that you are still at work May we remember that as long as we fix our eyes on you, we will be reminded of where our help comes from. Will you remind us in this place, Jesus, that you are the King of peace, that you are Jehovah Shalom, that you are present even in the sleepless nights. Father, may we sing this song in our hearts. May it wash over us in spirit and in truth. May we sit in your presence and just be reminded of what is true. So, Jesus, allow your words, allow this truth, Lord, to wash over us and remind us of what is true. And we pray all these things in your awesome and amazing name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we'd like to invite you to one of our Sunday morning services. We meet at 820, 940, and 11 a.m. If you would like more information or would like to watch or listen to more of our services, please visit us online at newvisionlive.com. This broadcast is brought to you by New Vision Baptist Church, where our mission is guiding people to lives of gospel transformation.